Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, The Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of My Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. Here's some exciting news. Thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Hope you enjoy listening and watching. I have a very interesting guest today, someone who reached out to me in a way that I was so touched by and thought would be of so much value to other people. A lady who is 78 young, years young, in very good health, and her kitty Maisie, who's six years old, in very good health. But Frida was concerned how to make plans for Maisie after her own eventual death. And this is something which I've often wrestled with myself for my dogs and cats. And I thought, well, good for her for asking. And how does one go about that? So Frida, thank you for having also the uh, temerity to come on the show and discuss this with me. I think it's such an important topic and such an expression of your love and commitment to Maisie. I'm, I'm very touched by it. Thank you so much. It, you know, it just seems natural to me. Yes, I, I she, she's your family it. member, right? Exactly. It's what, it's what I should do. That's right. And and like so many people, or people who don't even think about it, you don't have anyone who you can feel comfortable would happily take Maisie after you die, right? That, that's right. And of course, being 78, and many of us who are baby boomers, you're just before the baby boomer generation, we may have friends we think are cat friendly or would be happy to, but they're kind of getting old-ish too. And while there's no guarantees that older people die sooner, they're going to die eventually. And I, I think it's very important for us all to acknowledge that, that our time will come to an end before our pets, which is a reason that some people don't even want to get pets. You only a rescued, adopted Maisie four years ago when she was two years old. Tell a little bit about how you did that and, and how that came about, because at that point you were 74. So there are people who would say, oh, I really shouldn't because I'm 74, but I believe that we all deserve animal companions. So you clearly are a very thoughtful woman. How did you go about getting her and, and learning about her past? Well, first I'll say that what actually made me really decide to go ahead and adopt was um, I took care of my niece's cat for ah. about a month and a half. And I've always been a cat lover and I had um, the love of my life, my, my Siamese. Oh. And um, he died, of course, he died many years ago and I just could not do it again. So, and I was busy working so I retired when I was 69, and I still said to myself, you know, I don't, I can do without it. It's easier. 
Interesting But once point. I got a mm-hmm. hold of, his name was Walter. Once I got a hold of Walter, I just said, and she wanted him back. And I, <laughs> I was friends. And I said, this is it. I've got to do it. So I Good went for online. you. <laughs> and um, I live in Queens. And, I, you know, there's so much adoption stuff online. Sure. So I found, um, I found a, a place in Queens, and they were advertising. And I contacted the woman, and she said, oh, I happen to have two cats. And um, I went to see them, and it was Maisie and her brother, who had horrible names. Before <laughs> you renamed her. Lipper. I, I really, one was, I don't know, Johnny Walker or something like that. <laughs> I was appalled. But anyway, um, and Maisie's um, almost completely black with these beautiful green eyes. And Ooh. her brother seemed a little um, unfocused, shall we say. That's funny. He was a little hyper, and she was much calmer. And so I decided to go ahead with her. And you were told that maybe the people who had owned them or the person who owned them had died, right? Yes, that's right. So I think part of that, it puts in your mind, well, gee, this person died. And luckily, a group came along to take them in and make sure they got a good next home. But it's a daunting prospect. I know that when my husband died a number of years ago, I was just beside myself trying to figure out how do I make sure I can find somebody who could give a great life to my two 90 pounds each Weimaraner females who are completely bonded to each other and used to taking a 45 minute hike a day and live on this property that's almost 13 acres all deer fenced. I thought, okay, I'll give the house to somebody and they have to keep the dogs. Well, that's absurd. Who wants to live in the middle of nowhere, if you will, in Bennington, Vermont, and they'd have to be able to afford to keep up the house. I didn't have the money to leave them that. So I put one person in my will and then that person for one reason or another turned out to, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. Or of course you asked them first. I redid my will three times. I was very <laughs> concerned. So I, I think that more of us have to think about that. We have to think about it whether we're 40, 50, 60. I mean, the old, you can get hit by a bus anytime is certainly true. But as we get older, the reality is that a well-looked-after cat, and you take incredibly good care of her and give her great nutrition, which I want to discuss in a moment, can live into her 20s. So, you know, maybe you too can live to 98. Maybe you don't even want to. Who knows? But you do want to think ahead. And I guess the, the tricky thing, Frida, that I want people to think about is that even if you say now, oh, well, my niece, my niece has Walter, so my niece could take Maisie. Who knows where your niece will be living in 5, 10, 15, or 20 years? Will she be married, unmarried, you know, with someone who's cat allergic, live someplace where she can't have cats, never want another cat? I mean, who knows? You haven't asked her, or maybe you did. But, I mean, there aren't many people we can ask, and if we ask them now today, they can't project what their lifestyle and situation will be in 5, 10, or 15 years. So... One of the things I thought about was, well, I've interviewed so many hundreds of people that are in cat rescue and cat shelters and cat sanctuaries and, you know, small, private, foster-based adoption places. And I looked up some of them and wrote to a few of them. And some of their emails even bounced back as no good anymore. Not only 
been talking to them just a few years ago. So I think mm-hmm. the first thing to think about in making a long-term plan, I guess you call it a long-term care plan in a funny sort of way, even though both of you are in good health, is to choose an, a group, not an individual, because individuals' lives are not entirely in their control, that's been around for a long time, call it eight or 10 years. So they clearly are not going to go out of business or mismanage their their nonprofit status. And one that will accept somebody's uh, owned cat, a surrender into the future, which would obviously involve a donation from you now as well as then. And that's something Mm -hmm. that you, when you wrote to me, you said, I'm of course prepared to pay for my peace of mind and Maisie's care and welfare down the road, right? Yes. So I guess that would be something that people would, if you will, negotiate, you know, you, you find that group. And I thought, okay, how would I go about this if I was free to? So the first thing I did was I thought, I know there's a shortage of cats in Vermont where I now live. They, they in fact, at one point were swapping cats for dogs from the Chittenden County Shelter that's two hours north of me to the Southampton Shelter that was the official shelter of, of Dog Talk and Kitties too for years because there were a lot of cats on Long Island and so few in Vermont, which was interesting, but that was the case. I went into my local small shelter near here and they have and they have a cat room. I thought, well, that's very nice. The cats all live loosely and happily and volunteers and staff. And they have only seven cats there, but they only will take cats from this town or this county. I thought, oh, that's probably going to be true other places. So I looked up Queens. I, I just that's where you live. I thought, let's keep it your borough, not just all of New York City. And mm-hmm. and I said, cat adoption. And you want to find a place that would accept the surrender. Of course, this is a future surrender, so it's a little bit of a, of a head scratcher for people. And I found one. It was foster-based, which means there's no physical facility, but all the cats are kept in someone's home. And that person is in charge of showing that kitty in real life or virtually to potential adopters. And it's called AdvoCat. So I thought, well, this is a very good group. I can tell Frida about that, but that's what I would recommend people do. Now, Bidewe, which is a wonderful organization and is actually the now for next year when the Cat Film Festival comes back to New York City, which I definitely hope you'll be coming to, Frida, once the, the world opens up again. Bidewe well, is. Well, I've already been to one, I want you to know. Excellent. I have already been to one of them. Excellent. I didn't know that. I'm thrilled. And the new one, I've already got so many marvelous films submitted. We may have to do a double feature again like we did in the early years. By do we makes appointments during COVID, you know, obviously differently than it will be once we've all been vaccinated and we're, we're safe and free again for people who want to surrender. Now, It'll be a curious conversation because you will or won't have Maisie with you, but you'll be saying, when I go, would you take her? You know, but, well, you know, a good organization understands that. They they know how yes. to make plans for the future. Maybe not so much in this case. And most people don't have the courage to say, I'm going to die and I don't want to leave my kitty as a can that gets kicked down the road, basically. Right. I mean, isn't that the emotional worry that you have? Exactly. Exactly. And she does have a few, um, she does have feline herpes. Which Which is is manageable. It's manageable, but it's definitely contagious. And actually, I had found 
the woman who's my cat sitter, who's quite a intelligent, lovely person, I asked her if she was interested. But of course, I had to be honest. And, um, you know, she already has a cat and may get more. And it was what you had said before, you know, she couldn't commit. That's right. And I completely understood that. So, be, it would yeah. be wrong to commit, wouldn't it? I mean, I'll take your $1,000, Frida, somebody could say. I promise. But no one can promise where they'll be in five or ten years. That's right. You know, I mean, that, right. that would it would not be honorable to do that. So, yes, a, a foster-based cat rescue would mean the person either has no cats or one foster or has a separate space they could put a kitty with, with herpes. Um. But those are things that that cat people know about. There's so many feline leukemia and HIV and lots of things that that cats have that that require that they be kept apart from other cats. But it's quite manageable by people who are used to doing that because lots of these kitties get adopted out from organizations. Just hearing you say that has made me feel so just like my chest release. Oh. Really, because I I keep thinking, you know, people are not going to be willing because of the herpes. And he came to me that way. I didn't know that right. he had it. And, uh, so, it, as I say, it's completely manageable. Well, but- lots of cat people are very, very willing to do stuff. I mean, including cats with kidney disease that have to have, you know, subcutaneous fluids put in them every day. Cat people have, they take in diabetic cats who are diabetic for one reason only. Those of you who know this kitty crack, they've been fed dry food, which is the cause of diabetes in cats, the only cause of it, um, and is reversible if not too far along by feeding wet food only. But they'll take in a cat with diabetes and deal with his insulin and his blood sugar levels. It's really very complicated. So cat people have a level of devotion that I will go out on a limb and say surpasses that of dog people. They will make a commitment to not just to their own cat, but to other people's cats. It's a profound devotion. And, and I'm always so deeply touched by it and by people who are fosters for cats and dogs who take them in for any period of time until a permanent home can be found. I just want to take a minute to talk about what you're feeding her because you're spending a lot of money I know this only because it's a subscription service and I don't want to say the name of the company uh, that comes frozen to your house and you feed her twice a day wet food, which is the perfect thing to do for a cat. But I would recommend and suggest to you and anybody else that the reason that Waruva is the one of the two main sponsors of my shows is because it's my choice of cat food for everybody who can afford it. And even their BFF, best feline friend, is less expensive yet affordable because it's human-grade ingredients. It's not the detritus, which is used for most pet food. My dogs eat food that comes from not human-grade, as well as Evermore, which is human-grade and sustainable and humanely raised, but they also eat kibble and some canned food. They eat a little of everything. And what I'd like to say about companies like Evermore, which ship frozen cooked food for dogs, is that they're dog food companies, and cats are not little dogs. So I think it's really best to stick with a company that views cats as obligate carnivores and understands 
that there's no need for carbs, even in their canned food. No carrots, no potatoes, no rice, no peas, no other things. And also that you should change up the protein source. So that's really important that it not be the same protein source at every meal or every week or even every month. And the fact that it's human grade is very different than something that that comes from some of the the delivery services of dog foods, which aren't human grade at all. They're the same grade as food in a can or even food that gets made into kibble. It's simply cooked and put into pouches, frozen and shipped to you. And I would say that the cost is lower and the manageability is much greater for a cat to feed a wide variety of Aruva foods. There are Pollock and Chicken, I think, is their most famous one and most successful. They have dozens and dozens and dozens of flavors and formulas, all of which are cat-centric and protein-centric. And it's very important that cats in particular, being the finicky creatures they are, not get the same food at every meal or from the same batch even because then they turn off of other foods and other textures and other odors. And then you're kind of held hostage. So uh, my recommendation would be for her sake and for health's sake to switch to a wide variety of Aruva. And if you have a brick and mortar store that you like, that's great. If not, as you know, there's lots of ways online. You can even support a brick and mortar store online with, with shipping. And I would love to see you transition over to a wide variety of foods for her. We've run out of time. Frida, but I, but I'm going to stay in touch with you. We're going to together find you a great solution for Maisie's future. And I recommend that everybody think this way and make their own plans in this direction. Thank you so much for bringing this topic to the forefront. And I hope that it helps many other cat lovers of every age to think of their cat's future down the road. Well, it's been my pleasure. And I, I agree. I hope it helps other people come to terms with this issue. Wonderful. And in the meantime, big hugs and kisses to Maisie's and you and I will stay in touch until we find her her forever home <laughs> down the road. Thanks, Frida. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food to your cat, even as part of her diet, although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Now pop over to Amazon Prime or Tubi TV where you can watch streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free. Also thanks to Dr. Elsie's.